ransom back a life? Can he ransom back a marriage? Can he ransom back our children? Can he ransom back our past, our present, our future, our hopes, our dreams? I love what David says in Psalm 68, 20. He says, our God is a God who saves. And I grew up the son of an evangelist, Pat Preacher, and um, in Sunday school, I probably heard the phrase, Jesus is my savior more times than I can count. But the phrase was like bones without flesh. It just never took on meaning. It never sunk in. It was just a phrase. And my father and I, we had a, we had a rough relationship. It wasn't great. And in my teenage years, when I was 13, I started down a path of alcohol and drug addiction. And from when I was 13 on to my early 20s, um, it was dark. It was heavy substance abuse. In the last five years of this very dark chapter, I was a crystal meth addict. And every day for those five years, I was using crystal meth. And at one point, you know, I was just thinking it got so bad that I knew that this is how I would die. And I remember the scary part about it was I was okay with it because I couldn't imagine ever being able to be free from the hold of the spiral that had become my life. But I didn't know that I was about to encounter the God that saves. So, it's good. He is who he says he is. And so, let me just capture a moment for you. It's my story, but it's, it's all of our stories. So imagine a room, it's dark, it's empty. Your thoughts are almost deafening with phrases like, there's no hope. This situation is too far gone. It's too late. This is unredeemable. You are unredeemable. And then a voice whispers and it's familiar but yet frightening and this voice whispers some words a phrase that topples every tower of despair of shame of pain of hurt with one phrase as he begins to say these words to you this all crumbles he says I am the God that saves from ashes, from ashes I ransom. From rubble I rebuild, I restore, I revive, I redeem, I renew. I'm revealing myself to you. Do you want to know me? And like many saints before us, we tremble in the presence of this God that says these words. And we say, God, I want to know you. I don't know how to let go of all this. I don't know how to be anything else. I don't know how to let go of the hurt, the hopelessness, the destruction. This situation is gone. It's too much, Lord. I don't know how to let go of this life, this world that I've let surround me like a lifeless tomb, Lord. I don't know how to do it. And then the voice that spoke stars and mountains and all things into being says, you don't have to because I will. Do you believe that I am who I said I am? Do you believe I am the God that saves? 
And as you agree with his nature, how he's revealed himself to you. Like the sun piercing through the trees after a storm, you see with new eyes the one who is beautiful and powerful and has always been there. And now that thing that seems immeasurable and overwhelming to get past seems so small in his greatness. And I encountered this God and I know him intimately. This same God said to me, I transform meth addicts into worship leaders. <laughs> right? And this same God is revealing himself to everyone in this room right now. He says, I am the God that saves. Do you want to know me? I am the Zephaniah 317 God. I am mighty to save, right? I delight in you. I will quiet you with my love. I will sing over you. It's like a father who has found his long lost child. This God is revealing himself to us in this room. And he's saying to you right now, Lean in, and if you listen carefully, you will hear me sing over you a song, a song of redemption, a song that quiets all the raging rivers, a song of salvation, a song of victory. And God, we love you because you are the God that saves, and you don't stop there. It's not just the moment of salvation, Lord. You redeem the broken marriages. You save us from the situations that we think are hopeless, God. You are ever faithful at this, Lord.
ransoms back the broken Lord, we say there's a theme running through tonight. There's a something that you're trying to speak to us and we want to hear. You are a father that loves his children. And there is a father. I've seen this picture of the prodigal son returning to the father. And the father running to embrace the son. And even in his brokenness, in his weakness, and in his desire maybe just to come back as a servant, he's embraced as a son. That the God that saves doesn't save us to servitude. He saves us to sonship. He redeems us and puts shoes on our feet and clothes on our back and rings on our fingers. He redeems us to a great position of sonship. And God, we're here tonight to say we are your sons and your daughters. That you saved us. You've redeemed us from the grave. We are your sons. We are your daughters. We are the redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. you and that was Stephen McWhirter ladies and gentlemen with his testimony and then God that saves uh, following that the song that he sang uh, for us what a great 
testimony. Scotty, thank you so very much. Prayers your way too, man. Thank you for the donation. We appreciate your support. We appreciate, Scotty, you being here every day when you know that there are major pressing issues going on in your life. You come to God every morning, and that is what God wants us to do. He wants us to carve out special time for him, with him, every day. If he wants to be in every one of your decisions, then he definitely wants to be in every one of your daily lives. He wants to be there with you. He wants you to talk to him like you talk to your husbands, like you talk to your wives. But even more intimately, this hour that we spend doesn't even feel like it does him any justice. I know he loves it, but I could spend two, three, four hours with him and not be fatigued like I am when I do the news. Folks, it is episode number 261 here on Rise Up. We've started a new year. As you see, we've got a new lower third banner, courtesy of producer Eli. So guys, make sure that you give producer Eli some shout outs. There's a lot demanded of him and producer Frankie uh, being two people that run the entire network. They run the entire imagery and streams and all that for the network. So they're always keeping us, uh, you know, upgraded, updated, looking good. We're always adding segments. Um, and, you know, it's, it's truly been a thing to, to, uh, to watch and to be a part of. So uh, give a big shout out to our producers doing a good job. And as we start this 2024, uh, relationships are being made, folks. Relationships are being made. What do I mean? Well, you see that during political cycles, um, even if people have been taking a break lately from politics, you know, the, 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 the mouthpieces, the loudmouths, the people that get things, you know, out there and reported and, and you see on TV and podcasts, during an election year, they all start coming back out. Warriors are called and warriors answer that call. Well, you see the same thing happening on the spiritual battlefield as well. You see Warriors for God, soldiers of God, children of God, brothers and sisters in the name of Jesus Christ, you and I all coming together and God's word is bringing us all together and we are uniting forces. And I'm, t- I'm telling you, I'm getting calls from more content creators who are doing worship content like I do here on Rise Up and pastors and people just wanting to start banding together Uh, in a way that I've never seen before. And maybe it's just because I've come to this point in my walk with Jesus, in my journey with Jesus, but I think it's more than that. I think God is on the move in many ways. He's bringing the right people together in the right circumstances, in the right scenarios to accomplish his will. And you want to know something? The trials that we experience along the way, the tribulations, the problems, the physical, spiritual, mental, and emotional issues that we deal with along the way, the the loss of family members, the loss of friends. Sometimes it seems like the absence of God is silent. I mean that God is silent and there's an absence, but there's a difference between absent and silence. You were created for a time like right now, and it's so very incredible to be a part of it with you. I'd like to thank KMAC, one, two, three, four, five for the $50 donation. And it's K-Mac's birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear K-Mac. One, two, three, four, five. 
Happy birthday to you, and thank you for the help and the donation. It is a great time to be a Christian. It is a great time to be alive. But one thing that we have to understand, especially to the new Christians, to people that are just becoming part of this journey with Jesus, you have to understand that there's going to be periods of time where it feels like things are piling on and you think to yourself, did I make the right decision or not? How come I chose to follow Jesus and my life seems to be getting more difficult? I don't seem to be getting all these blessings that everybody spoke of. You're going to feel that. And I'm here to tell you that there is nothing more of a blessing to you once you have decided, I'm walking with Jesus, than to experience trials and tribulations because they are only teaching you how to deal with those circumstances now that you are with Jesus. The circumstances are still going to come. Broken bones are still going to happen. Disease is still going to happen. Death and aging is still going to happen. Financial issues are still going to happen. All of these things are still going to happen to you. But God wants to see how you will perform with the tools that he continues to give you each and every day on your journey with Jesus compared to how you performed without them. See, Without those tools, you could not perform at a high capacity. With those tools, you can succeed and you can repel the arrows of the devil daily. And so that's the promise. Sometimes it feels like God's silent. But again, don't mistake God's silence for God's absence. We're going to talk about a lot today as it pertains to that. But I want you to keep into your mind this saying that I'm about to tell you, okay? And if you have to write it down to remember it, write it down. This is one of those things where you'll say, I heard somebody say one day, and then you'll you'll repeat this, okay? Deprivation brings desire. Deprivation brings desire. And if you don't, if you need to understand a little bit more what I mean when I say that, has anybody ever been very thirsty? I mean, to the point where you felt like your mouth is so dry, you feel like you're going to pass out if you don't get a drink of water. And some people get migraines, right? And then they start having like anxiety or hot flashes and stuff like that. And they need need to drink water and water helps cool them down. And then you drink a glass of water and you seem to guzzle the whole thing faster than you've ever drank anything ever. Gulp, 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 gulp. And then you feel complete. You were deprived of something. And you desired it so very much that when you got it, it was like the greatest feeling in the world. W. Wilson just said something amazing. That is why we fast. Exactly. See, we are so used to pleasing the flesh without God that once we get God, we have to understand 
that we must deprive the flesh in order to desire God and God's word and God's promises and God's fulfillments and God's joys, the nine fruits of the spirit. Instead of pleasing the flesh, get angry and say something that you shouldn't say. Be hungry and you eat something to to, to please your stomach. When if you would have just deprived yourself of those things and leaned on God, you would desire his word more than you would desire anything here on earth. That's what that means. So we're going to be talking about that today. Silence versus absence. But before we do that, let's all go to the Lord in prayer. Please remove your hats if you're wearing one and bow your head, close your eyes and focus on today. Focus on those times where you feel like you, God will not talk back to you. Focus on those times where you feel, or maybe you felt in the past, wow, am I making a mistake here? Is God really here for me right now? Or am I going to have to attend to this the same way I always do? That's what I want you to focus on. I know we've all been there. Some of us are there right now. Lord and Heavenly Father, in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus of Nazareth, Lord, we thank you for those trials and those tough and trying times. We thank you that depriving our flesh of satisfaction when we get into those times, it only helps us desire your word, your promise, and your comfort even more. And there's nothing more fulfilling than that. Lord, many times I have satisfied my flesh knowing that I shouldn't only to regret it two, three, five, ten minutes later and go, why did I do that? But Lord, with you, that never happens. With you, if I deprive the flesh and wait on you and then desire you, I am always fulfilled and then some. The cup is over, overflowing. So, Lord, be here with us today. Be present with us today. You are present all the time. You are not absent in our lives, even though sometimes we can't hear you. But we understand that that's for a reason. You are bringing us through something so that we can depend on you more. Thank you for that, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's been a lot of times where I'm going through something heavy lately and I don't feel God there. And I think you remember I would tell you, like during this last summer, I'd go out, I'd put my earbuds in and I'd just mow the yard and I'd listen to scripture. And every single time that I deprived my flesh and my own selfish, prideful desires of having to win an argument, eating, you know, whenever I want, however I want, whatever it was. Anytime I've deprived my flesh and went back to the word, that trying time that I was going through went from like a 10 on a scale of one being good and 10 being really bad to like a two. Like it immediately, like if I'm, okay, here's, here's, here's a good example. If I'm fasting, And I'm 18 hours into my fast. 
And I'm like, man, I got to eat. I can't do this. I can't. I cannot go 24, 36 hours. What am I going to do? Nine times out of 10, I end my fast earlier than I want to, which I feel terrible about because I feel like it's a broken promise to God. Even if it's an hour, it's still before I, the time that I desired to do it for. And I deprived God and, 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 and instead decided to please my flesh. However, when I am into that 18th hour, 20th hour, my body's just like, you got to get something in there. If I put those earbuds in and I start listening to the word of God, my hunger level goes from like a 10 to a 2 in no time at all. Same thing with every other thing that I'm experiencing, every other scenario that you might find yourself in. So while I can't, while I don't feel like I am strong enough to accomplish the mission, I know Philippians 4.13 tells me that everything and all things are possible with Christ. So then I go and I get into prayer and it really just, you know, the best, the best thing that this has done for me is my anger. Like my anger level, like I'm one of the greatest people to be around. Like I know that people tell me that all the time. You're so fun to be around. You're so amazing. You're so funny. You're this, that, the other, you're intelligent guy. I get all that, but you want to know what I am outside of all of that? I'm quick to anger, and all of those great things that people say about me, they forget immediately because I go from zero to 100, and somebody goes, I never thought that that was inside of that guy. Everything I thought about that guy is now wrong. I don't like him at all. Like, that's what I've dealt with in my life because of my anger. I've talked about it right here many, many, many times. However, it has been the last few months have been the greatest few months of my life because I have been at so much peace and joy. Even though there's a billion things going on, there's problems in my family. My mother's got, you know, health issues. I got to tell you, same with you, W. Wilson. Same with you. Same with you. I got to tell you, I, 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 it's like I never had the problem. I prayed for God to take it away. And while God, while anger still comes, God has given me the tools to deal with that anger now so that it doesn't overtake me and I don't feel like the world is against me. That is what I'm talking about. So I've gone through these trials and tribulations where I'm just getting, you know, hammered, hammered by the trial and the tribulation because I will not give it into God and I, and I wanted to please my flesh. But the minute you give it to God, the minute you go, you, you know what, I can't do this on my own. I'm going to go read the word or I'm going to go put in some uh, earbuds or some headphones and I'm just going to, you know, Calgon, take me away, right? Jesus, take me away. And I got to tell you, if you guys do that during your most weakest times, you'll become so strong in that um, scenario. So if it's, if you have a problem with anxiety, loneliness, depression, if you have an eating problem, a drug problem, an alcohol problem, if you have a sexually immoral problem, if you have a porn problem, if you cheat on your husband or wife, and that is a problem, if you have homosexual tendencies, and that is a problem, if you are a consistent liar, and that is a problem, whatever it is, 
whatever. I want you to identify the thing that you have the hardest time with. The thing that Jesus would look at you and go, we've got to fix this. Whatever that is in your life, I want you to identify it right now. Identify it, diagnose yourself, and apply Jesus to it. I know it's easier said than done, but if you do this and you are sincere in doing this, it might not be so good the first time, but it'll get better every single time. For me, it's instant. For me, it is instant. Soon as I ask, and I'm sincerely asking, not just, okay, God, make me not angry anymore. Not that. Not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to yell at the people that I love. Or I don't want to shut myself in my house for a month at a time and ignore every phone call and every text message because I'm having an episode of loneliness and depression and I am depriving myself of the things, the good things that God gives me. And I'm only embracing what Satan brings to me. I don't want to be like that anymore. Or I have a porn problem. I'll never admit it. But every day I'm in the bathroom, scrolling, guys, scrolling through my phone, looking and liking the pictures of half-naked women. Girls, Oh, I have an attention problem where I need to post pictures where my left leg is up and my butt is poking out on Instagram constantly because I need that attention from somebody because I grew up with daddy issues. We all know what it is. Look at that. Water cop says road rage. Whatever it is, if you truly don't want it anymore, then go to identify it, diagnose it, and apply Jesus to it. Bring him into it. Bring him into your addiction. Bring Jesus into your drug problem. Bring him into your porn problem. Bring him into your lying, fornicating, lusting lifestyle. Bring him in to your mess. Because Jesus doesn't make messes. Jesus cleans messes up. And like Stephen McWhorter, he can take somebody from a meth addict to a worship leader. I mean, if that is not a radical transformation, I don't know what is. Now, I want to go to the verse of the day today. And the verse of the day today, and I know you guys didn't get an email. It's my fault. A little behind the times this morning. I want you all to open your Bibles to Psalm 69. Okay? Psalm 69. If you guys could do that for me, that'd be incredible. I see we have about 1,500 people watching, 307 thumbs up. We have five times as, uh, we have five times more people that are watching that have clicked that thumbs up. So if you could do us a favor, click that thumbs up, we'd appreciate it. All right, Psalm 69. I want to read this for you. Save me, O God. For the waters are come in unto my soul. I sink in deep mire. 
where there is no standing. I am coming to deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary of my crying. My throat is dried. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. I want to stop right there. That's David. That's David. I want you to think about what he is saying. He is overwhelmed with grief. He feels that God is not there with him. He feels like he's drowning. He feels like water has filled his lungs. He feels like his throat is dried up and burning. His, he is tired of all the crying. He's exhausted from all of the despair. This is what David is saying. They that hate me without cause are more than the hairs of my head. They that would destroy me, being my enemies wrongfully, are mighty. Then I restored that which I took not away. So he's telling him, he's saying, everything is against me. The world is against me. My enemies are more than the hairs on my head, and they are coming down on me like a ton of bricks. I feel exhausted. I feel um, impaled. I feel stuck. I feel tight. I'm crying. I mean, this sounds like hell on earth. How many of you can experience, say, I've experienced this? Oh God, thou knowest my foolishness and my sins are not hid from thee. Let not them wait on thee, O Lord, God of hosts. Be ashamed for my sake. Let not those that seek thee be confounded for my sake, O God of Israel. Because for thy sake I have borne reproach. Shame have covered my face. I am become a stranger unto my brethren and an alien unto my mother's children. So everybody has pushed him away. He feels alone. And if everybody hasn't pushed him away, he feels that everybody's pushed him away. What's that called? Depression. David is going through depression right here. David feels like he is drowning in life. David feels the weight of the world on his shoulder. Anxiety is crushing this man. Raise your hand if you understand. For the zeal of thine house have eaten me up, and the reproaches of them that reproached thee are fallen upon me. That means that those people that rejected God, it's falling on him. When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, that was to my reproach. I made sackcloth also my garment, and I became a proverb to them. They that sit in the gate speak against me, and I was the song of the drunkards. So he feels that, you guys know, you know the feeling. But as for me, my prayer is unto thee, he says. 
O Lord, in an acceptable time, O God, in the multitude of thy mercy, hear me in the truth of thy salvation. Deliver me out of the mire and let me not sink. Let me be delivered from them that hate me and out of these deep waters. Let not the water flood overflow me, neither let the deep swallow me up, and let not the pit shut her mouth upon me. Hear me, O Lord, for thy loving kindness is good. Turn unto me according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, and hide not thy face from thy servant, for I am in trouble. Hear me speedily. Draw nigh unto my soul and redeem it. Deliver me because of mine enemies. So in the face of all adversity, in the face of all depression, in the face of all loneliness and anxiety, he still, still seeked God's face. Now, the question, was God absent because of what David had done or was God silent because of what David had done there's a big difference isn't there how many people grew up in a broken home dad left mom left I would guarantee, and I know this isn't the same for everyone, but I would guarantee you that those who grew up in a broken home wished they hadn't, wished their parents could have come to some kind of a, an agreement, right? I would have much rather had my father there and silent rather than absent completely and I'll tell you what I mean by that I know that some parents just couldn't stay together I get it I only use that because that's the quickest example I can get of a parent not being there but let's say that the parents are split okay but the father is still there or the mother is still there and not absent that's still okay my father was absent When I became 15, 14, my mother was absent. Not silent, not there, but quiet, absent. And I can remember sitting in prison, writing my dad over 50 letters. Never forget this till the day I die. And those letters that I wrote my dad went from about that long to one sentence over time. And I said to my dad, I remember the last letter that I wrote to him. I said, Dad, I don't need you to come and visit me. I don't need you to put money on my books. I don't need anything in this world from you except for one thing, and that is to show me that you're not absent in my life. Just send me back a letter that says, I got your letters. You don't even have to say, love, Dad. You don't even have to say, dear Jeremy. Just send me back a letter that says, I got your letters. 
so that I know that you're at least there. Never happened. So there is a difference between silent and absence. Shan says, I don't like Jeremy's parents. Well, do you know them? They're actually pretty good people. They're pretty nice people. They were just terrible parents at that time. But I get what you're saying. They had no idea how to be parents. They had no idea how to be there. And I'll tell you one thing that I will never be in my child's lives is absent. There is a difference between absence and silence. I would have much rather had a quiet dad than an absent dad. You know what I mean? God is not absent through your life. Here's the other thing. While I was going through all that, God was there. God was there. It's like that song with Zach Williams. There was Jesus in the waiting and the hurting and the healing or in the waiting and in the healing and the hurting, there was Jesus. So that song, whenever I hear that, I bawl because I, I, I know that God was there even though I didn't know he was there then. I look back and I can see him there now. I look back and I can see him there now. I want to read something for you if I can. And then we'll go to a video or two. Okay. Why the silence? I thought this was a good article that I read and I wanted to read it to you. But why does it need to feel that way? That God is absence in the silence. Why the perceived silence? Why can it seem like God is playing hard to get? Or like he's just standing there looking at us when we cry to him for help. I don't claim to understand all the mysteries of this experience. No doubt we underestimate the effects of remaining uh, sin on us and our need for this discipline in order to share God's holiness. But I believe there are clues for another purpose as well. And I'll phrase them as questions. This is what this guy wrote. I thought this was incredible. Why is that absence makes the heart grow fonder, but familiarity breeds contempt? Why is water so much more refreshing when we're really thirsty? Why am I almost never satisfied with what I have, but always longing for more? Why can the thought of being denied a desire for marriage or children or freedom or some other dream create in us a desperation that we previously didn't have? Why is the pursuit of earthly achievement often more enjoyable than the achievement itself? And why do deprivation, adversity, scarcity, and suffering often produce the best character qualities in us while prosperity ease and abundance often produces the worst i think that's the best question in the world right there isn't that amazing isn't that amazing 
Why does deprivation, adversity, scarcity, and suffering often produce the best character qualities while prosperity, ease, and abundance often produces the worst? Let's go back to that old thing. When you give a child a car, they don't care for it like they do when they work and buy themselves that car. You earned it. You worked for it. You cherish it more, right? Same with the word of God. Do you see it? There's a pattern in the design of deprivation. And like I said earlier, deprivation draws out desire. Absence heightens desire. And the more heightened the desire, the greater its satisfaction will be. It is the mourning that will know the joy of comfort. Not mourning as in, I woke up in the morning. Mourning as in, I'm mourning the death of this person. It is the mourning that will bring out and know the joy of comfort. It is the hungry and the thirsty that will be satisfied. Matthew 5. Longing makes us ask. Emptiness makes us seek. And silence makes us not. Longing makes us ask, emptiness makes us seek, and silence makes us knock. Knock where? Knock on what? For whom and why? The answer is God. And that is what you all have inherently in you from birth, written on your heart like the Ten Commandments are written on those tablets of stone. Deprivation is in the design of this age. We live mainly in the age of anticipation, not gratification. We live in the dim mirror age not the face-to-face age the paradox is that what satisfies us most in this age is not what we receive but what we are promised the chase is better than the catch in this age because the catch we're designed to be satisfied with is the age to come absolutely incredible Somebody wants this article? Sure. I will grab this article and put it in the live chat right now. So, it might seem like God is not there. It might seem like he's ignoring you, but that's not what he's doing. He is teaching you to lean on him, the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ, the Holy Trinity. And he is giving you the B-I-B-L-E, so that you can acquire the skills and the resources and the tools that you need to deal with these situations that you've dealt with your whole life, but in a different way. Because guess what? The definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, the same way, expecting a different result. It's never going to happen. And that is why people that are constantly always seeming like they need the same thing, and you're like, how, are you see- how do you still need the same thing? Thing because they're doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome and it's never 
going to happen. David, King David, ancestor of Jesus of Nazareth, one of the most profound and popular people in the Bible, dealt with everything that you are dealing with and more. Jesus of Nazareth dealt and felt with all of that uh, loneliness, depression, anxiety, all of that. As a human, he felt it. You, what do you think that he went through for 40 days and uh, out in the wilderness? What do you think he did? What do you think he did? I think he just wandered around and looked and prayed. No, he went through hell on earth. He deprived himself of everything. He deprived himself of people, human-to-human contact, food, water, comfort, joy, peace. He deprived himself of every good thing that God gave. You don't think that he knows what you're going through? (laughs) If anybody does, Jesus does. David does. David went through it. That means that David is no better than you, and you are no better than David, and none of us are any better than Christ. Be humble. Find what it is in your life that absolutely has a grip on you that you can't let go and apply Jesus to it and say, I'm done with you. I'm done with you. Like I did with anger. I'm done with you. Do I still have anger come my way? 100%. But it never gets above a two because I have the tools and I've applied Jesus to that anger. And now Satan has lost another thing that he had over on me. It's what you get. It's what you get. Mess around and find out, Satan. Mess around and find out. Here is a great video that I saved for you guys. I archived that describes people that need. We all need Jesus, but some of us are further on our path and some of us have the resources. Some of us really, really need resources. And I think this video that you're about to see is really going to show that. Watch this. Check this out had a dream in which three men were kneeling before the Lord as he passed them by. The first man, Jesus held. The second man, Jesus touched. The third man, Jesus passed. What did her dream mean? Did the Lord love the first man more than the others? The last man less than the others? When Miss Coleman asked the Lord for the interpretation, the Lord clarified. The first man was weak. The second man was discouraged. The third was strong. Of course, this doesn't mean that the Lord abandons us when we are in seasons of spiritual strength. What this means is that the Lord gives more to those who at the time need it. Perhaps you feel distant from the Lord because you don't feel Him like you used to. Remember, the stronger you become in faith, the less you rely upon feelings. Woo! The longer or the stronger you uh, are in your faith, the less that you are dependent on feelings. What an incredible statement. What an incredible statement. And each of us has something different that God has given to us that describes and defines who we are and why we're here on this earth all the way down to your name. Remember, In the very beginning days of Rise Up, we had a whole episode where we talked about the importance of your name and what it means. And everybody that's watching this show right now, their name and what it means in Hebrew or what it means in Greek describes exactly who they are today. 
So yeah, if your name defines and describes you, how much more does the gift that God gave you describe and define you? And what are you, are you using that gift? Just like you need to identify, diagnose, and apply Jesus to that one major thing that you just can't stop doing or get away from, you also need to define and, dis- and, and, and find your gift from God and apply it to your lives today. Ladies and gentlemen, here's a great inspirational video from Steve Harvey. The best lesson I learned was this guy sat me down and said, it's only two ways to make money in this world. You can either provide a service or you can sell something. It ain't but two ways. So I had to hurry up and identify what was my skill set. Here's the way you identify your gift. And an old man taught this to me who had a lot of money. Your gift is the thing that you do the absolute best with the least amount of effort. That's your God-given gift. It's something that each one of you do better than you do anything else, and it comes to you naturally. The beautiful thing is everybody God created, he gave us all a gift. All of you are gifted. If you use the gift, it starts to change your life. You now have a pathway to success. Don't go into banking if you really, your gift is frying chicken. Don't go into banking. See, a lot of people got jobs because it's paying bills, but it ain't your gift. So when your alarm clock goes off in the morning, you unhappy. You keep hitting the snooze button. You know why? Because you're not living in your gift, find the gift. The moment you identify the gift, your life will change. You can come to these conferences all you want. If you don't apply these philosophies to your God-given gift, you're wasting your time. You might as well get up out your little seat and go on and go home. Because it's the best lesson. There it is right there. Steve Harvey saying it right. That's exactly, exactly right. Um, my gift is the gift of gab. My gift is the gift of being able to put on a performance, stand in front of people, uh, speak the truth, inspire, uh, basically be a cheerleader. Maybe a, maybe a leader out on a battlefield, a manager of some sort. Those are my gifts. And until I embrace those gifts for God and not for Jeremy Harrell. See, I knew I had the gift. I knew I had the gift a long time ago. But I was using that gift to further and promote my agenda, my desires, my earthly and fleshly desires. The minute that I started using my gifts for God selflessly rather than selfishly, that is when my life changed. That is when you guys said, start a show, start a network. Here you go. We're going to help you fund every month. Oh, and by the way, even though our websites are down right now, doesn't mean that the, uh, the company that we use for your donations monthly has been compromised. That is 100% safe. It's just our website itself that was attacked and now we have shut down and we are repairing LFA TV and JeremyHarrell.com and my email website. But nothing has been hacked or touched as it pertains to the donation site, just to let you guys know. So, all right, guys, that's going to do it for Rise Up today. I'm going to bring you out the same way I brought you in, but this time with exactly the song that I need every single day that makes me cry every single time I hear it. And that is There Was Jesus. 
So thank you guys for being here. Sean Ferris is actually filling in in his old time slot for Mike Crispy next at 10 a.m. Mike Crispy is not here today, tomorrow, or Friday. So we have a fill-in for him on those days. So, ladies and gentlemen, Sean Farish in his old time slot coming up next, followed by my show, 11 o'clock, live from America. Sean will also be on in his time slot at 5 as well. Thank you for being here. God bless you. And remember, just because he's silent doesn't mean he's absent. See you later. When the friends I have were nowhere to be found I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now Well, there was Jesus In the way, and in the searching In the healing, and the hurting Like a blessing buried in the broken pieces Shadows of the alleys There was Jesus